Hey there, kids. Do you miss VHS? Join us in our quest for VHS tapes in a new giveaway from the Frog Brothers Podcast. We have five little gift bags we put together, each including a VHS tape as well as several other collectible items. Five lucky winners will each get one of these gift bags. All you have to do to enter is go to Instagram, make a post about your favorite VHS tape growing up, and be sure to tag two friends as well as Frog Brothers Podcast to enter. The contest ends Monday the 17th. We'll announce the winners the following Tuesday on the podcast. Remember, be kind, rewind. It's refreshment time, folks. I have to return some videotapes. Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Do you like scary movies, Sydney? You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. I don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles. Each for rent at just $2 the first night and only a... I don't watch TV. Yeah, but you are aware that there's an invention called television, and on this invention they show shows, right? Tonight on Six Ed World. Okay, I want channels 18, 24, 63, 187, and weather channel. Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Alec. Hello, and welcome to episode number 18 of the Frog Brothers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Justin, and with me is the... Amazing, talented, crazy man known as Alec. <laughs> hey, it's me, <laughs> the crazy guy. <laughs> it's Handsome Dan. <laughs> exactly. <And> Mr. Scream. <laughs> I'd like to campaign that we both look more like uh, Mr. Scream than Handsome Dan, but... That's up for people to decide elsewhere. But you can listen to our smooth pipes. Smooth and silky. Like a pie. Like I think these days pie. you look more like Wayne. Jeez, thanks. I guess that's not terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> that's Mike, Mike Myers at his best, so what do you want from me? Yeah. Like that well, Workaholics episode where they're debating which Mike Myers movie is the best, and one of them is, you know, dressed as Wayne, and one of them is dressed as uh, Austin Powers, and the other's dressed as the fucking love guru. Oh, God. But it's clearly like. It's clear that Wayne's World's the best one out of all of those. Well, Austin absolutely. Powers is good, I mean, has its place, but Wayne's World is superior. Yes, Austin Powers, I almost put into its own category because it's different enough, and it doesn't feel like classic Mike Myers, right? You know, he kind of grew into that character, so. Well, while we're sitting here, I'm going to, uh, as you would say, pull on Elon Musk, but as I would say, pull a Kevin Smith and uh, light up this blunt while we're sitting here talking. Yeah, I'm an asshole. I cracked my drink before, and I was uh, looking through some music uh, for my top five and kind of checking a few things to see if there's anything available for a purchase, hmm. and I made an impulse buy. Oh, man, you're going to have to tell just... me what that is later, I guess. Uh, I'm just going to tell you what that is right now. All right, fuck it. What is uh, it? Well, I bought the score to Ninja Turtles, the original. 
Oh, I dude, that looking... score is so fucking sick. If we were talking scores, that would be one that would be honorable mention. Like, we already did that, but, like, that's a... Like, when that you rewatch released... it, you're like, holy shit. That got re-released digitally in January of this year huh. on iTunes Store, and I didn't notice that. So when I went through and found it, I was like, oh, what's this? And I was like, oh, there's some good music cues in there. I'm going to get that. Hell yeah. That's pretty sick. So... Just hanging out. Playing Nintendo. I, uh... <clears throat> today, did a live Facebook video opening Jurassic World Legacy and Jurassic World Toys. Yeah, I know. I pissed you off in it because you're like... I said something really asinine and cheesy or corny on there. Like a dad joke style thing. Huh. And you're like, fuck you, I expect him to stand on his legs. Exactly. A little, you got a little triggered there, buddy. No, I'm alright. I just, uh, I'm an asshole in general. Well, you're pretty good at it, so I mean, if you're good at something, I guess you should keep doing it. Yeah, I'm not going to quote the well, Joker guess... there, and I know a lot of people have that Joker quote coming to mind, but uh, that's not going to happen, so sorry to disappoint you there. No, you don't disappoint me. No, I don't mean you, I mean the listeners. I don't give a fuck oh, about okay, disappointing okay. you. I am sorry to disappoint the listeners if they were expecting the quote. I expect You're you to be disappointed to disappoint by me them. daily, and it has no yeah, repercussions I mean, of me. So, so I don't know if go. I'd be disappointed by you daily, I believe in you. This is an inspirational podcast. We're not that negative. This is an inspiration. I believe that you can achieve the goals you set out to set. Love. I need to have like that Donnie Darko video here with Patrick Swayze. Oh yeah, love. Fear. A Jedi so, craves not these things. Yeah, exactly. That would actually be a hilarious sound clip. So anyway, I went to mash, uh, mash those two up. Pick up some VHS tapes today. Yeah, and I heard you bought like seventeen dollars in VHS. Yeah, that kind of happens sometimes when I go to this Goodwill. Um, I find a whole bunch of shit instantly. The first Could thing you I say saw, you were. Could you say you were Goodwill hunting? That's possible. Waka, well, I waka, waka. I didn't find that. I would have bought it, though. And uh, actually, that's a, that has a pretty good soundtrack. It's, it didn't make it to the top five, but uh, that's a good honorable mention early on because it has a good Elliott Smith tracks on there for you. So I can't tell you my list is going to be good, but it's the ones that are like fucking burned into my brain forever. My, so, li my list is that. ones that I listen to the most. Because there's a couple on there that, like, people would be like, well, why isn't this on there? And I'm like, I get it. It's a renowned soundtrack. Believe me, I'll listen to it. But not as much as these other ones. So. That's fair. Anyway, on VHS, I got, I'll just do a quick little list. I already have the first two Jaws movies. I have two different editions of Jaws. But I found Jaws 3 and Jaws of Revenge. Then I found the Flintstones movie uh, with... John Goodman and uh, Rick Moranis and all that shit. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Hell yeah. Agent Dale Cooper. George of the Jungle. Die Hard 2. Hellraiser Bloodline. Um, the Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Jurassic Park 3. Austin Powers 2. Goodfellas. Robocop. Great Outdoors. And uh, a Pulp Fiction demo tape, which is a tape that they would send out to uh, stores, I guess, retailers to... 
entice them into selling the tape. So that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. slick. That's a damn fine list. Yep. Solid finds there. I got in the mail that's um, awesome. over the weekend the a Fright Night VHS, which uh, also had its anniversary. I believe two yes, days. Yes, it did. <clears throat> two days ago, three days ago by the time you'll hear this probably. But um, that movie's solid. Obviously, we are a Lost Boys-centric podcast, and Fright Night is... Uh, in terms of, if we're talking vampire movies, which we should do a top five vampire movie list sometime. Ooh, yeah. I think we'll have to do that. Uh, that should be something we cover in Halloween month. Yeah. You mean October? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could call it Halloween month. I don't know. I should I should just start calling it Halloween quarter, because I like for the whole quarter, I like to celebrate Halloween for about two to three months, usually each year. Yeah, September at least. I start getting into horror movies in September for sure. And then... Once October's over, I pretty much watch them throughout November because I'm like, all right, now it's cold outside, it's nice and spooky, it's dark early. So, yeah, I felt like a Canadian today because when I woke up this morning, it was like 58 degrees here. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it was pretty nice out here today. And I started when I went to the store. I asked people what they're talking about and asked them for some maple syrup. Don't you know? Sound like I'm from Minnesota. Yeah, did they tell Don't you? you know there, Bobby? It cost uh, it cost a loony or two to get some maple syrup, eh? Eh? Take off, hoser. You dirty hoser. All I know is to quote uh, Strange Brew. No way, take off, hoser. Classic stuff right there. You're missing a classic party. <laughs> so, uh, so I got those. What uh, I got in the mail? Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Tell me What'd what you, you got get? in the mail. Oh, here. I was gonna just gonna go so, about some more VHS tapes, those real Ghostbusters, uh, knock knock, and uh, play them ragtime booze. Got both of those on VHS. That's slick. So I bought a Dennis Nedry, Kenner Jurassic Park action figure series one. I need to get the series two because once bought- I bought the Mattel Amber Collection Dennis Nedry, and I was able to get the. Barbasol can Nedry. You said, hey, you need to get the other Nedrys. And I was like, holy shit, you have a point. Yeah. So I got one of those. He's got the baby Dilophosaurus, which is fine, too, because I already bought the regular Dilophosaurus, the old-fashioned spitting one, you not should just, the electronic talking Dilophosaurus. You should just start a Wayne Knight collection. Uh, yeah, that's all fine and dandy until you want to go down to that one show that I don't want to mention. And <laughs> that I'm not show, buying anything that from show that. that shall not be mentioned. The show that shall not be mentioned for fear what's, of destruction. What's the deal with the show that may not be mentioned? <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> we all know that the writer producer on that was much better than the talent. Yeah. Hence, you can watch his program on HBO. Oh, you know what else I got? I got a. Uh, uh, Ghostbusters 2 Noisemaker from Hardee's. This one's actually open, so I don't have to break the seal on it. Uh, it has no batteries in it, so I don't know if it works yet. Uh, so there's that. Oh, speaking of fast food merchandise, I uh, got a, three of the plastic McDonald's cups from Batman Returns, as well as two of the Frisbee lids. So that's pretty sick. Hells yeah, son. Uh, and what else did I get? Oh, yeah, so Cake Worthy, 
was one of the companies that did a bunch of overpriced Ghostbusters merchandise for the 35th anniversary last year. Yeah. Well, they had a pretty big sale of some of their stuff, so seeing as these things were on a clearance price, I bought a Stay Puffed enamel pin. It's kind of sparkly, so I was like, well, whatever. Stay Puffed can sparkle. At least his hat's sparkly. Yeah. So, But I'll throw that on the old pin board, because I got the pin board there. A little variety never hurt anybody. And they also made a VHS cover-inspired passport holder, which uh, I've been holding off on renewing my passport right now because, well, no one's allowing anyone outside of the U.S., so I'm not going to renew a passport and just let it time tick on it. So I'll renew it once uh, COVID's over, if it ever ends. Yeah, and mine then I'll is have uh, the most fashionable. Expired. I'll have the most fashionable, fashionable... Say it again. for that, and I can go international. Fashionably late, Jones. <laughs> Fashionably late. Give me a kiss. So uh, I would uh, love to see him have a conversation with Walter Peck. <laughs> I think those two, those two would have a great conversation. I mean, uh, you know, as uh, I've heard many others say before, Ghostbusters Afterlife is confirmed to take place in the Twister universe, so could happen. I know. We we did verify that last week, or last week as in two days ago last week as we recorded late, which, yeah. uh, thanks for the help. I, uh, I got my studio set up today so I can uh, record here. Nice. So that's all fancy. It's not just a room and of boxes still, is it? You weren't nope. sleeping with I it, can... are you? Uh, what's the question? Am I sleeping with uh-huh. it? Uh, no, I'm not sleeping with uh, a clown from... Um, Stephen King's novel, no no clowns in the bed, no alien monsters from uh, a dark universe. Hey, speaking of which, now we can go on a random tangent here, but, you know, they say it's like something dark from the universe. Is he like Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Is he one of those gods? You're freaking me out, because I literally, two hours ago, finished. <laughs> That's simply not possible. I had <laughs> dinner with Paul Allen in London, simply... 12 days ago. No, I was going to say that I watched Guardians of the Galaxy two hours ago. Volume 2. I bought it today because yeah. uh, I uh, I collect the Marvel films, the MCU films on Blu-ray. And for a while, I, I just haven't bought any. Um, so now the only ones I need to buy on Blu-ray are the two Ant-Man films and the first two Thor films. I have everything else. Oh. Very sweet. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. It's a great one, but yeah, so... Uh, is Ego related to it? That's what I want to know. Is that canon? Can we make that canon? Can we pitch that to Marvel? Can we pitch that to Stephen King? <laughs> Good can luck. It be part, can it be part of the MCU? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I've heard, um, you know... Kevin Smith pitched Jay and Silent Bob to the MCU, and I would I would watch that. Yeah, I would just love to see them appear somewhere in the background, hanging out, doing something. Blunt Man and Chronic, it should have been like in a in one of those big shots at the in Endgame, you know. <laughs> oh my God, that would have been perfect had they just been randomly hidden in there, coming out. Yeah. At the end. That would have been awesome. Hey, speaking of uh, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, Mr. Uh, Kevin Smith there, I'm a big fan of his. Me too. Um, On his episode of Fat Man Beyond, 
Last time they talked some pretty cool stuff for Comic-Con at home, but he also had the pleasure of doing a nice uh, panel for stay-at-home Comic-Con with the cast of Bill and Ted 3. And uh, that was pretty badass to see uh, see everybody on there, man. He uh, got choked up a few times. I thought he's going to cry. I mean, he's... Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, he says it's good. He says that they did it. They did a good job. They did it justice. So, I would like to say that I trust his take on that because he's not afraid to call bullshit when he sees it. So I'm hoping Definitely. he wasn't just doing a little butthole kissing when he was uh, on the uh, the panel host there. So hopefully he was sincere about it. And he, I mean, if the man's damn near crying, uh, I would assume he's pretty sincere. Yeah. I um I trust his judgment on pretty much most things. I uh I get less you get I think most people do, hopefully anyway. Or at least people like us who are like you know, I like to think we're fairly uh I wouldn't say woke is the right word, but we're uh very self-aware. And uh I fucking I'm training off cuz I just smoked all that blunt. I don't know what I was saying anymore. <laughs> What the fuck was I saying? What were you saying? We were talking about Kevin Smith, and you were talking about how that we are aware of ourselves. We have a self-awareness, much like Kevin Smith does, of our good, uh, yes. our bad, I was basically saying that we're, like, less cynical with age about film and television and music and pop culture and, and just everything in general. And, um... We recognize our faults, and we, we strive to grow, much like someone like Kevin Smith. He's... Uh, you know, it's one of those cheesy things to say, but he's one of those people that very much his podcast and just his books, everything that man's done has helped me out of all the dark places I've been in. So I love Kevin Smith. And uh, like you said, I appreciate his judgment on this. I trust him. Yeah, so that made me really excited for it. And then um, so I pre-ordered this book that they have for the Bill and Ted trilogy. And some people already got it, and clearly it's got spoilers in it. So I pre-ordered from Amazon, and my order got delayed till after September 1st when the move releases. Um, now I did notice online that some people got their book already, and guess what? What? Uh, well, since it covers Bill and Ted Face the Music, there's obviously a bunch of spoilers in there. So yeah. If I would have gotten it, I wouldn't have looked at it till afterwards, because clearly on the cover it says it talks about all three of the movies. So hmm. uh, that would just suck, though, to accidentally get that and be spoiled or to be tempted to spoil yourself. <laughs> Not to yeah. be confused with soil yourself, which I guess if the spoiling was good enough, you might be soiling too. So we'll uh, we'll have to do a something to watch that new one. I'm hoping I can check that out in theaters or at the drive-in here. And uh, I guess we'll see see what happens with that release because they did announce that that's September first, I believe. So nice. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, it's about all I have for opening notes and news. If you want to move on to uh, episode by Schmepperschrode. Episode by episode. We now return to the real Ghostbusters. Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Bill Murray's the funniest man on the planet. Episode by episode.
So, Extreme Ghostbusters, episode 13, at least in Hulu's order. Be careful what you wish for. I wrote the title down. So did I, because we were assholes recently and we didn't. So, guess what? You get titles again. Titles Don't of the episodes. Johnny. Yeah. We get to not be a bunch of wankers when we talk about a TV show. Well, what's behind door number much. one? Behind door number one is a soft opening on the subway. Where an old man encounters another old man who's a salesman. And he asks him if he has a wish to make. And he wishes for peace and quiet. And the next thing you know, his mouth is gone. Which reminds me of a self-portrait I did. Uh, off topic real quick, but you ever had that dream where you can't scream in your dream? Or it's oh, more yeah. of a nightmare? And it's, it's terrifying? Good. Yeah, it's like yeah, the dream a, where you I can't a, punch and shit. Or you're trying to punch someone that's trying to murder you, but you like can't punch but in slow motion and it's just like what yeah when you're trying to scream though and get help and you're just like <sighs> yeah that's what that reminded me of and i was like huh i can relate to that, that i can't wait to opening. hear the actual microphone clip of that sound so it's gonna be good because i got right up on it i'm gonna look forward to that and uh seeing the waveform that it looks like it's going to look beautiful, like a crashing, gentle wave in the ocean. Basically. So, uh... Satisfaction yeah. completely guaranteed. No currency required, no payment do I need. Satisfaction completely guaranteed. So yeah, this that's old what this, uh, salesman, he's kind of cool. This is an episode, since I'd rewatched most of the series, oh, I don't know, in 2018 maybe... Um, it was pretty good. Pretty good. So. Pretty good. I, um, the first half is, is wishy-washy. There's moments. But, um, it definitely gets good once Eduardo's in her cat, which we'll get to that later. But, um, then you have the intro theme song, of course, which is just, just all parts awful and maybe 10% where you're like, this could have been good. You see the potential, or you hear the potential in it, and you're like, get rid of that butthole rock sound and voice on there, and you're like, you know okay, what? I can see maybe where they're trying to go with it musically. I should do another cover of the Ghostbusters theme song and make it a cover of this one, and make it no butt rocky. Yeah, get rid of that fucking Creed-style vocals on there. Is there something strange in the neighborhood? Wonder some butthole rock. And it's feeling good. I'm gonna come. I mean, it sounds like if the guys from South Park covered Ghostbusters and they're being like satirical about it. Pretty much. Satirical? Satirical. Satirical. Sounds like something, uh, some bullshit you'd hear in a movie. Pretty much. So then they open up to the firehouse and they show like a nice detailed view of it outside and they go inside. Egon's kind of hanging out, messing around. Clearly not shielding his wires because... Roland's giving him shit. Roland's giving him shit, and then Janine's like, leave it to this asshole, I have to fucking burn down a fucking firehouse. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're paraphrasing, oof. but it, it sounds better that way. Yeah, well, it's not. it doesn't have to be family-friendly that way, because we can say whatever the fuck we want, and... Yeah. Uh, we don't have to worry about making a PG rating for children's shows or a youth seven or whatever the fuck the TV ratings are these days or were than those days. Yeah. Nope. 
there's no uh, producer breathing down our necks. We produce ourselves. It seems like some people just do everything for money. And that just makes me really sad. You think we should put our mom and dad down as producers since they produced us? Fuck no. Okay, just checking. That is just a cheesy dad joke. I'm allowed to do those because I have kids. All right, well, you know. Go play some golf, you old bastard. Hey, golfing's fun. I'm going to go play laser tag because I'm young and vital. You ain't young and vital. They make glow-in-the-dark golf balls. <laughs> they got Blues Brothers golf clubs coming out, son. He's not coming back. She thinks he's coming back. The engine's running, but there's nobody behind the wheel. So, existential philosophy. Eddie got a C-minus in it. Yeah. Kind of sad. He's like, and he studied for that test, too. Right. Fucking bummer. And then they go through, and, like, everyone's making fun of everyone there. Like, Eddie's making fun of Roland. Roland makes fun of him. Yada, yada, yada. Janine makes fun of Eddie. They all make fun of each other there. It was like a... Felt like real, right? Yep. Real, real squabbling going on. <laughs> real model American. So and then you uh, realize that um, contradicting Ghostbusters two, and possibly even Ghostbusters one, or oh, really? Egon's basically saying you can't photograph a ghost. What the fuck were you doing with all this uh, camcorder equipment? Explain how you took pictures of Vigo. Come on now, somebody explain this to me. Sometimes people need to do some fact-checking on their homework. Maybe they should have just added the line, you can't just photograph a ghost. Yes. Because, you know, I would imagine, obviously they had to do some particular weird shit, possibly, to their cameras or something, you know. You never know what they were doing in Ghostbusters 2. And obviously they have the camcorder, and he's taking pictures of the fucking ghost in the opening scene of Ghostbusters. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, don't contradict what this program's talking about. Don't contradict the films in the sequel TV cartoon series. So yeah, Eddie jumps we're, on this computer after tonight, their... But, uh, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> so Eddie jumps on this computer and says he's going to enhance something on it and then all of a sudden it catches fire. So, I mean, that's, uh, I guess, the sign of the times in the 90s and the fact that Egon had unshielded cabling there, so... He was like, my data... <laughs> and yeah. Roland should have been like you didn't back it up dumbass pretty much if it's not saved in three places you don't have it saved at all and then he would have backhanded him yeah keep that pan strong <laughs> so yeah they have a couple of the uh, the wishes that are going down One one woman wishes to be young again he has to convince all these people. And then he, like, opens his briefcase, which reminds me of the Pulp Fiction briefcase with the gold. Yes, that's what I had on there. I was like, oh, you don't ever really see it. And in the end, they do show what's in there. But the whole episode, I like the montage scenes where you just keep seeing him messing with people and definitely got that Pulp Fiction vibe where it's a gold glowing light coming out of there. And you don't even really need to know what it is. It just glows. So that's the thing is, um, while we're on this topic, real quick. I'm going to have to do a lash out irrationally on the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Because right now? 
it's it's very possible because this fucking briefcase, man. People think that the briefcase is more than it is. And if you're like me or you, I'm sure you know the term MacGuffin. Yes. Which just implies actually... that it's a plot device. Literally there just to yeah. move the storyline. It, it doesn't matter what's in there. Most logically, uh, if you really just want to get down to it, it's probably gold. I don't, you know, just because it's a gold light. Other people, however, buy into this weird theory and they try to make Pulp Fiction about more than it is, I feel like. And, oh, they uh, want to make it like philosophical or Yes, they want to make spiritual. it spiritual. You know what's in the briefcase? Uh, Marcellus Wallace's soul. Okay, why did these fucking three white dudes who are eating burgers in a shitty apartment have this guy's soul for then? They're like, what? But he has, there's like this ancient thing where the band aid on his neck, you know, that's where his soul was taken out of and he was trying to get it back. I'm like, well, he seems to be doing pretty fucking fine without it to me. He doesn't seem too worried about yeah. it. Fuck that. That's this. fucking nonsense. So, so those yeah. people can fuck right off with that so, bullshit. Yeah, so you can all eat my asshole if you like that idea. Um, or, uh, f- you know, fight me on the <laughs> internet. Come after us. Whoa. So, can I ask you a serious question right now, then? Yes. So, if... Uh, I'm clearly not out there, but I'm just I'm just pondering, like, what a general audience might think of this. So, if someone were to want to eat your ass, how would they inquire? Since you throw that offer out there, I mean, say somebody uh, actually wants to do that for Ectoviolence on Instagram. DM me. Okay. All right. There you go. So, if you want to eat Alex's ass, you can DM it on Instagram. Yeah, not dungeon master him. Direct message. Don't get your don't get your things confused here, kids. Well, I mean, you can DM me if you want to uh, be the master of my dungeon. I guess if you don't know what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. So are we back on the episode then? Yeah, I mean my butthole. Anyway, so we're on this episode of uh, Extreme Ghostbusters, but we Lady keep getting off track because Justin's fucking ridiculous and wants to talk about his asshole in this rant about Pulp Fiction. So. I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, it says... Lady you know, gets turned into a baby, but she's got a full-size human head on there and can still talk. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was getting two at. heads because he's jealous of another beautiful man. Yes. And uh, then the tree guy. Another man turns into a tree. Which has the um, one of the most hilarious lines. I'm sure you wrote this down, too. Where uh, Eduardo says, uh, Mr. Chiapet here. Yes, that was pretty awesome. Ch-ch-ch-chia. Yeah, yeah so he some... turns into Groot, basically, and um, unfortunately says more than Groot, because it would have been a lot better had he just said, I am Groot. I am, I am Groot. Or if he was just like, I am, I am Diesel. So, Eduardo so gets swindled just... by this guy after he fucks up an ice cream truck, and the rest of them abandon him. Yeah, but I can't be mad at him for blowing that ice cream truck up because no, it wasn't. A, it was a hot dog truck and it had a devil head on it. Oh, I just kind of like the shape looked like a ice cream truck, and I was kind of uh, I was smoking while I was watching it anyway. So details they elude me. Yeah, and then Ed Bardo tells him like, "Hey, like where would people find you know?" He tells this guy, "Oh, the flea market's a pretty popular place." So then you know he's got insider information later, so he can save the day after he's turned into a cat. Yeah. Which doesn't make too much sense because everyone else gets changed themselves. And so, like, where does Eddie go? Like, his. It doesn't explain that well. Like, it just does a cutscene and then he wakes up in the cat's body there. So, where is his real body at? 
Was the cat in his body here? There's a lot of things that weren't explained in that, and that kind of pissed me off, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. I was just, I thought it was funny, because the perspective of Eduardo as a cat, and then uh, the plot got really interesting after that, so. Yes, yes, I was just curious how his transformation was so much, so different and so much more dramatic than some of the other ones, where he's in Kylie's cat. Like, that was funny when he wakes up in there and he's looking around, he's like, ah, I guess I'll just tell her the truth. Mm-hmm. And then she comes in there and starts smooching on him and, like, petting him, and then he's like, sees himself in the mirror as a cat. Yeah. So my uh, favorite part though was the uh, little lizard that got turned into a T Rex. We have a T Rex. Exactly. Say that, that was again. pretty dope. I remember seeing the T Rex and be like, "Oh hey, we have a T Rex." Yeah, and, and uh, so it, they yeah, they either don't... try to recreate the Jurassic Park dinosaur vibe, or they have like a really kind of crappy condensed version of it. But it sounds very similar to Jurassic Park because they pretty much coined the modern version of a t-rex growl that we all know and love from anything and everything now pretty much pretty 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 much um then they go to grand central station to battle this motherfucker they do some information tracking down after eduardo uh finally finally manages to uh communicate that he is eduardo in the cat's body with uh i think it's a what is it scrabble or something that falls on the floor yeah, it's a scrabble after he was trying to do it on the computer and they like just ignore him and like, oh, look, your cat's trying to type. Right. If my cat was typing, I'd be like, hey, look, this is fucking badass. Yeah, and then so is they're trying to figure out where, you know, is they're in route down there, they're trying to figure out like where to go, right? Because they go to the flea market. Yeah. And as they're driving around looking for him, um, you know, Eddie's trying to explain to him what's going on. So he breathes on the window fogs it up and then uh writes a flea on there and then garrett's like fleas he's got fleas get him out of here and then he writes market and he's like oh the flea market and then roland's like oh yeah the flea market's got a lot of people and that had charlotte's webs vibes all over it you know it reminded me of some pig you're like you're writing some shit out of there you're like an animal doing fascinating cool things right and then the guy that wants to be made into money turns into a pile of money and blows away in the wind. And I'm like, to me, that seems like some sort of philosophical way to saying that, you know, there's more to life and death than money. <laughs> Toys. I think that's what I was saying. All we are is dust in the wind. Ha! <laughs> that shit rules. So, yeah, they they start fucking this guy up at Grand Central Station once they get over there. Because uh, he escapes or eludes them or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, they're fucking around and he's fucking them up and tempting them. And Eduardo jumps on the briefcase and is like, hey, fuck off. Don't do this shit. And then they all, uh... Yeah. They all kind of wake up a oh. little bit and... Was that? Yeah, come back to reality, and then you find Eduardo's up in the booth there, or the subway booth, like control booth, and like says, uh, you know, I wish you would not grant me this wish, basically, and then Kylie says that to him, and gets the guy to do that, and then of course he freaks out, things start reverting, and you're like, oh great, another quick easy ending, and then, nope, they decide they actually gotta bust this bastard, so he turns into the ghost form we'd seen earlier. Which the ghost form looks cooler. I wish they'd shown more of that in this episode. Yeah, he. Um, I like that. I like that artwork. Some of the vibes from it 
at least the top half definitely had like the Kenner toy line vibes to me of real Ghostbusters. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that stuff was looking pretty good. So. So, yeah. Yep, so they basically trapped the ghost and saved the day, and that's pretty much it. So it was a, it was an okay episode. There's some fun stuff in there. Could have been a little bit better, but... Right. The only thing that really bothered me, there's a couple of scenes in this episode where the artwork is atrocious. There's a scene in particular where, like... They're showing Garrett, and he looks nothing like him. He looks like he lost, like, 35 or 40 pounds, and he's, like, a really skinny version of himself sitting there. Kind of, like, as a, a far-out shot on the group of the team. Yeah. And then they zoom in, and he's completely different. And the same thing with an Ecto-1. Like, they have a far-out shot that's an extremely basic version of the Ecto, um, including the roof rack, like, just kind of being, like, all gray and just kind of, like, a little outline of everything up there, so... And I hadn't really noticed any that were this bad before in other episodes, but yeah, it was pretty pretty terrible there. That's a mummer. But it's a sign of the time, so I mean with with the automation you have and with three D character design and even traditional flat style two D animation styles being done on a computer now you you're a lot less likely to have those overlay scenes where things are just kinda of hurried along to get to the next detailed shot, so Take it as a sign of the times. Not terrible, but interesting to see now because we're so spoiled when it comes to current content that it's so easy and consistent to make. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, episode 13. You'd have so what's next, your child? Hey, child. Uh, Six Sad World. I mean, are all your friends Satanists? A young Frenchman photographed this flying saucer, or is it? From a Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography? We're discussing Satanism and the occult disorder and some of the dangers. Telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness Monster, and the theory of the land. For the purposes of this study, we will focus on the number 666. Tonight on Six Sad World. So... This week, uh, <clears throat> last week, actually, the uh, news was uh, talking about UFOs again. Um, in particular, that there's an intelligence agency that's supposed to be reporting some of its findings to the public. And that's kind of like the main headline that's been shared around. A lot of people don't read these articles, so I figured I would read it and kind of relay some of this and we would chat about it. Um... I'm sure you remember back in April, I think we briefly talked about it in one of episodes of Six Sad World, there was uh, some UFO videos that were released, but they weren't anything too crazy, and, you know, nobody could uh, draw too many conclusions from them. So Correct. there's a... Uh, it comes from um, this new stuff, the Naval Intelligence Office. Apparently, um, there's a Senate committee... Uh, that was devoted to... Oh, let me see here. Something to do with the budget they were talking about. Um, but they mentioned a something called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. And uh, basically, they're looking for both otherworldly aircraft and what I think mainly is they are looking for other 
it said this in there, but I think it's mainly their focus is other government aircraft and shit like that. Oh, I'm sure that's the main focus, right? You'd want to see what the hell everyone else is doing, but at the same time, there's probably otherworldly shit that other people are saying, too. Yeah, so, um, the article I read said some of its findings are to be released to the public within 180 days after the passage of what's called the Intelligence Authorization Act. Um, so I think that's, that's what the Senate committee was also about. Uh, so what, what do you think about this shit? Do you think anything interesting is going to come of it? Uh, yeah, hopefully so. I'd like to see what comes out of it and what actually gets released. I mean, I definitely think that the realm of outer space is way too large in scope to not have something else out there. Um, I mean, I think we're so limited in what we know and understand here that there's got to be something going on out there. So it's it's kind of interesting that we're finally getting some of this. And, I mean, if you're going to release this kind of news and not freak people out, now is kind of the perfect time because everyone's losing their fucking mind over COVID. Well, right. Over everything else going on, over the Cheeto, um, trying to delay the election. So there's it's a good time to release something like this because there's enough fucking over-the-top nonsense going on in the world right now that you may not be as inclined to freak out hearing it right now or even just having it being available and then, you know, in six months or a year or two years when everyone realizes, like, all this stuff was released, people are going to be like, what the fuck? Right. So I don't um, know. I'm excited to see it. I think there's some... It'd be interesting to see where all this stuff's coming from. Yeah, I agree. Um aliens and stuff I find them so fascinating and I'm it's kind of like ghosts I don't I don't believe in some like the UFO stories I don't believe in a lot of that kind of stuff I, I, I don't you know I don't necessarily have a belief in aliens but I believe that there's probably aliens out there in some form or aspect uh, somewhere or at least there have been in the past it's just too ridiculous to think that there hasn't been but I also don't so know me, that I believe that they would be coming to here in UFOs necessarily, but I would love to be uh, proved wrong. I, I would love to see that uh, because I find it fascinating. I think there's a higher chance of there being aliens than actual ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts myself, personally. So your uh, alien which, had a room at the Holiday Inn? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it must have had a mind ray or something. So, <laughs> so yeah no, no i just um, think that there's there's things out there right and then i guess if there's a civilization so advanced that they can travel here from wherever the fuck they're coming from they're probably coming here to look how fucking primitive we are and like looking back on their own history or something because we're all fucking losing our minds over wearing masks and everyone's acting like a fucking karen because their nose is covered and it's an inconvenience to them when it's like uh you guys are awfully worried about that, but you should be worried about the giant fucking pedophile ring in Hollywood and, uh, I don't know, the entire fucking elected officials of the United States. Probably other governments, too. Like, let's worry about the real problems here, not a fucking mask on your nose. Worry about those dirty petter asses out there that are fucking creeps. And by that, we mean just wear the fucking mask and don't bitch about it also. Yeah, and report people that do fucking skeezy things. Yep. But, uh, aliens. So. 
aliens I find fascinating. Um, have you had a UFO experience ever? you meet a nice one. No, I haven't. So, I have a tiny one. It's a debatable one, even in my own mind. <laughs> I'm going to just use that audio clip forever from now on. I have a tiny one. My name is Alec. <laughs> I didn't say my name is Alec, but I don't care. That's fine. I'm sure there's photos out there showing off all to your to your fans. It's probably on your OnlyFans anyway, so if you want to see pictures of Alex... Yeah, my uh, star man. Only fans account is Ecto Dong. <laughs> so hit me up there. And if you go there and it's somebody else, I'm assuming Alec is just being a smartass. Yeah, I'm actually gonna go check and see if that account is taken. And, and if, if it's, it's not, not <laughs> don't, don't don't. I was gonna say, and if it's not, don't swoop in and stake that name from underneath him. That's his. He claimed it. Yeah. If you take it, I'm going to go with Ecto Schlong instead. I'm in a 90s kick here. We always said Schlong when we were kids in the 90s. I don't know if anybody else did that. Maybe it was a Midwest <laughs> thing, but we always like, yeah, it's my Schlong. <laughs> Shit makes me laugh. Yep. We were stupid. So I've eaten at Schlong John Silvers lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, I don't really have too much more to say about the aliens. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. I was going to tell my uh, bit of a UFO story here. Yeah, tell us about the time that they abducted you. Well... Come on, Russell. <laughs> Hello, boys. I'm back. Want me to call uh, you Uncle Dan or Russell? I was, uh, I was driving home from Domino's. This is like three months ago. I think I was on the phone with you, too. In fact, I know I was. Uh, I was talking to you on the phone about something. And, um... I saw a, like, red light. And it kind of looked like, you know, one of those tower lights that blinks. But this one was much lower. And I kind of, like, looked at it. And here's the thing. I will admit after I... After I tell you what I saw. So I saw this red light, and then it kind of shot into the sky straight up and then darted like left and then I couldn't see it anymore because I was I drove into an area with a bunch of trees so I will say this could be any number of things it could have been a fucking reflection of a light somewhere anywhere another car that I don't remember seeing or anything like in my car you know what I mean oh yeah that's how my brain works I'm not immediately like holy shit it's a fucking alien I'm gonna find the first alien life form Fuck it. They'll be like, yeah, no, you're, there goes homeboy. Fuck the Martian once. Your first, your first rational thought was, okay, what is that? What what could that have been around here besides weather balloons? Because that's like the cliche, like, weather yeah. balloon? What's a weather balloon? A weenie whistle. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. Don't give me that. Uh, Roswell. Roswell, New Mexico. Area, <laughs> area 51. Area 51. Area 51. You knew then! <laughs> so, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, we could wrap it up there. There was another time I was really stoned and I saw a bunch of lights in the sky that were lined up. It was uh, a bunch of airplanes. It was just the flight path. <laughs> oh, so. that's awesome. 
That's hey, funny. so breaking news from our esteemed colleague Nick Ryan of the Midland Empire Ghostbusters. He provided me with a fun trivia fact from Deep Space Nine and Rumpelstiltskin and how the star of Rumpelstiltskin was on Deep Space Nine and brings it full loop together. And he says that there's a... The first season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, an alien appears on the station pretending to be Rumpelstiltskin after hearing a character read the story to his daughter. But that wasn't the same guy in that episode, but he just wanted to share it along. That's hilarious. And there's a photo There's a photo of a guy with elf ears and uh, uh, kind of looks like an e- a Keebler elf. Um, if you did like a real life version of a Keebler elf looking all old and decrepit with like the liver skin spots and all that on people uh, that's kind of what it looks like yeah but, but with pointy ears so pretty soon we'll be having uh our guest again uh nathan bartocci we'll be having some more guests in the future but he's going to come on and probably be part of a, a weekly segment or a monthly segment at least maybe uh um where we're going to uh cover some godzilla films at some point but uh we as children <laughs> I don't think I mentioned this last time when we covered this, but we uh, remade Rumpelstiltskin, and it was like the first movie that I actually wrote a script for when I was like, I don't want to say 12 or 13. I think we wrote it together. I'm sure we did. Uh, he had a video camera he had got for his birthday one year, and we always made films and stuff, but it was this was like the most put-together movie we had ever done, and we filmed it all night one night when I stayed the night at his house. Like, literally walked down to the park and filmed me running around with a we used the trash can lid as the hump on his back <laughs> and i had awesome. a a mask that i still have and i will uh, at some point when i move probably find it in a box because i had it recently i think i pulled it out of that toy box in the toys in the attic video but i've repacked some of that stuff so that's but glorious. the mask we cut the ma- mouth out of so you could see me talking because we were like no this has to look good you know like <laughs> oh yeah well, you and get clarity uh, that way, too. Yeah, The only thing you didn't do was glue the piece you cut off to the bottom of your chin. Now that I think about it, we should have just called it Rumpelstiltskin 2 because I was chasing Nathan around, basically, and I think his character's name was John, if I'm not mistaken, or Johnny. I like I kept calling him Johnny in the movie, so just like the little boy. And uh, so I believe that... It's magic? I believe it's magic. Please. Magic. Please. 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 Let's make some. I believe it's top five time. I believe it's top five time. time. I feel like we're just like stealing the uh, trailer vibes from Yes Have Some. Let's move on to top five while we're talking about this. Top five. 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 This is Top 5. Johnny top 5 five. Alive. Top 5 is alive. This week on Top 5, we talk about our Top 5 movie soundtracks. That's right. We confuse the movie scores, which were covered in a previous episode. Woohoo! So, um, so this is your idea, so I guess I get to go first. Yeah. But um, briefly, so before, we, five. B- before we dive into oh, it, oh, holy oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh. Holy shit, Shut you're just over. like, no foreplay. You gotta fucking, like, you know, buy me dinner first. Shit. Uh, hey, anyway. I enjoy, I enjoy foreplay like the next best person in the world. All right, good. Uh, this is, 
has no effect on me. But anyway, there's a lot of movie soundtracks out there. These are obviously not movie scores. We did that before in a previous episode. Um, this is a lot to choose from. I think we both went with what we listen to the most and what kind of st sticks in our brains the most. So, yeah. What's yes. your number five? Go ahead. My number five is one that you may or may not think about when it comes to movie soundtracks. Is that because right? Because the score, the score to this movie is utterly fucking beautiful. It's amazing. But the soundtrack was done by Prince. That movie is Batman 89. The Batman soundtrack. As uh, Nick Batman Frost and Sean of the Dead would say. Throw it. It's <laughs> fucking Prince doing a whole soundtrack to a movie. And there's some real yep. classics on there. And there's some stuff that's just okay on there. But when you listen to those songs in that movie, like it immediately puts you in that movie when you hear those. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, number five is Prince's Batman 89 soundtrack. Uh, what's your number five? My number five is a soundtrack containing songs by David Bowie, Lou Reed, Nine Inch Nails, Romstein, Marilyn Manson, and uh, some pieces by Angelo Badalamenti which is uh, the David Lynch film Lost Highway. Uh, it's oh. a pretty fucking sick soundtrack. It's a film that stars Bill Pullman, Patricia Arquette, and um, the guy who's like, Get me the President of the United States. Then wake him. Oh, okay. There you go. So that's a pretty good movie. And a uh, great soundtrack. I uh, have that soundtrack. I bought it for like two bucks on clearance at Zia Records in Phoenix. And uh, yeah, it is, uh, I rotate that heavily through my soundtrack. Through my. That's pretty sweet. CD player. What the fuck I'm talking about? What's your number four? My number four is uh, Top Gun. Uh, Kenny Loggins. Yep. Berlin. There's some classics on there. Take my breath away. So my runner-up for number four was, because uh, it, it doesn't actually appear anywhere else, was the Back to the Future soundtrack. Not the score, the soundtrack. Yeah. But there's really only, I don't know, four songs I really like on that that I'll, I'll listen to when I'm playing the soundtrack back. Yeah, I feel so, the same way. There's, those are very highable high playability those four songs but it's like overall i, I didn't put that on the list either because yeah i was thinking overall yeah. soundtracks so yep exactly i'm like ooh, which if i had like when you're thinking like if i only had to take five on a desert island which has the best variety that i'll actually listen to the whole thing without skipping and that's what yep. my list is so so uh my number four has uh some pieces by Ennio Morricone who is a composer, but it also has uh, the Stooges, David Bowie, Devo, uh, Sue George, and uh, Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo. It's Life Aquatic. Oh, God, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I love the music in that movie. I love that movie, obviously. You know, Wes Anderson and Bill Murray. Uh, 
That's is just... that separate from the score? I thought it was all one, one release it, there. It might be. Okay, um, I, I believe it I is because that... Martha Mother's okay. Bow. He, I mean, his pieces of music in that movie definitely borderline. They, it borders both soundtrack and you know score vibes. So. Yeah, no, I can definitely. I, I was going to say that I think that transcends the line there, but my I original number four was Donnie Darko. But the problem with that is, is there's only like three good songs on the soundtrack itself that aren't just musical pieces that are written by Michael Andrews. A lot yeah, of the stuff that's in the movie isn't on music. the soundtrack, so. Yeah, and exactly. the director's cut has different songs too. So then you're looking at a whole other thing because the director's cut had licensing issues from the other one. So depending yeah, on which re- version you're watching, it's inconsistent. Yeah, but regardless, I'm talking about soundtrack releases. I feel like yes. So yes, but I think that the director's cut would have dictated an update to that soundtrack, which we didn't get. So well, like yeah, I but the soundtrack itself was already off. excluding some other songs in general. So it was kind of like yeah, you know, I don't know. Could have done better with it, but. What's your uh, number three? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles motion picture soundtrack. So I had the cassette of that as a kid, and I listened to it all the fucking time. Hell yeah. Trying to find a good copy right now. So. But uh, what's your number three? My number three. I picked this soundtrack because it has The Cure. The Violent Femmes, Jesus and Mary Chain, Nine Inch Nails, and the Nine Inch Nails are covering Joy Division in this, and it's the Crow soundtrack. Ooh, that's a good call. Shit rules. Good song. Very sign of the time, 90s, yeah. Puts you there. I like it. I dig it. What do you got for number two? Number two. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Um, I predicted you would have this at 2 or 1. It's it's a damn fine one, and it was a real debate for me between the first and second one because there's some songs on Volume 2 that I really enjoy as well, but overall, number 1 kind of like really first introduced you to those characters, and it's just so good because it's got good music from such a variety of eras and genres and styles, so... I feel like it's hard to go wrong with something like that because it's just so diverse with the tunes on it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, volume one. What's your number two? Armageddon. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, That's nothing to joke about, you son of a bitch. I really fucking hate that Aerosmith song. <laughs> but uh, my number uh, two, yeah, has. Uh, some music done by Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine, as well as My Bloody Valentine, Jesus Mary Chain, another Bill Murray film, Lost in Translation. Ah, uh, fantastic soundtrack. That's the style of music I listen to a lot in my free time, so that helps lend to why I love this soundtrack so much. I could, Yeah, I could see that. I could appreciate that. Mm-hmm. What's your number one? Well, probably because I've heard it more than any other fucking soundtrack ever is Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Good one. 
Somebody get me to Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, I think that's one. You know, I had that as a kid. I still Which have ones my are your original. favorite on there? Tell me. Uh, hands Obviously down, number c- one is the fucking Bus Boys, man. That oh, really? fucking old school rock and roll, like up tempo, like yeah, that song just fucking rules, man. That's my favorite song, hands down, on there. And then Saving the Day is fucking insanely underrated for such an amazing song for what it is. What about uh, the Air Supply song? <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, all right. <laughs> Mick Smiley. <laughs> Well, What's your number one? My number one is Ghostbusters 2. That's a good one. Bobby Brown, Run DMC, Glenn Frey, Elton John, Oingo Boingo, Jackie Wilson, and the cover of the Jackie Wilson song. Um, those are the, the standouts. Those are what I wrote out of off the top of my head. You know, I could have probably sat there longer and been like, oh yeah, this is also on the soundtrack. But those are the ones that I listen to over and over. And I love the soundtrack for Ghostbusters as well, but there's only about half that soundtrack that I will listen to as much. Ghostbusters 2, I, like I will it. almost listen to all of it. See, both of those soundtracks I'll put on and listen start to finish, but... Yeah. And some of those are strictly nostalgia value for me. Like, you know, you had a few on there that you said were like, because they had your current taste in music and stuff on there. Like, hell, even the Guardians soundtrack is stuff that's... Right. Not stuff I'd go out of out of my way to listen to on a daily basis, but I do appreciate how it can tell a story and develop a character on its own without strictly relying on a score. I think that's a really unique take on right on a movie and so many people could probably relate to that in their own way. Like if your life had a soundtrack to it, what you know, like what kind of songs would be on there? And I think uh that's kind of James Gunn has been able to do that, right? You know, if you were able to do some soundtracks to your life, what would they be? And he's able to translate his stuff to these characters. Um, you know, it's never occurred to me before. What's that? Batman Returns. You know, is there a soundtrack to that? Much of a soundtrack other than a score? There should be Prince songs in that movie, and there's not. No, that is all film score, I believe. I don't believe there's any actual music in there. That's never occurred to me before. And now I'm thinking, Batman Forever brought weird soundtrack shit back. But it wasn't, I mean, let's face it. Batman 89 soundtrack is far superior, unless you're just a, I don't know, person that likes to disagree. Because Prince could do no wrong musically i was gonna say i mean you can really get into like music composition and musical talent and you're pretty much just gonna say okay prince wins that no matter what so yeah you may have personal feelings of nostalgia or feel good from songs on batman forever but right i mean even some of the songs that were on there for the soundtrack they made a shitload of music videos for that movie but a lot of that stuff didn't really like prominently appear noticeably in the movie when you're watching it. You're not like, oh, here's that song. You're like, no, I remember the soundtrack to it, which uses some clips and kind of does, you know, like they used to always do, like mix them from shooting the songs on set or using similar sets from the movie to actually make them and, and go that whole route. But for me, the stuff I listen to in my personal life is much 
different than uh, these top five soundtracks. Ah, uh, the top five soundtracks for me, I do listen to these quite frequently, but I'm a, I'm a big soundtrack whore. Um, I have a bunch of honorable mentions here because I wrote a pretty big list. I'm just going to skim through them, but uh, Pulp Fiction. The soundtrack's amazing. It's what makes part of that movie, you know? It helps create that world. But Pulp it's not Fiction something I'm going to throw on every day. Yeah, Reservoir yeah, Dogs. I mean, to be honest, Kill Bill and Glorious Bastards, all of those. Yeah, Tarantino knows how to use music to me, but my thing with his soundtracks is... I guess Pulp Fiction is the closest one that I could listen to start to finish regularly. The other ones put me in the movie, but they don't um, necessarily make me want to continually rewatch that, if, if you catch my drift, or, or, or re-listen to parts of the soundtrack there. So I could see why those weren't on there, but they're honorable mentions. Uh, much like the Reservoir Dogs soundtrack that has the Stephen Wright introductions and commercials before the songs, the Once, in a Pond, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack has... Uh, like a lot of the radio ads you hear in the movie and stuff and introductions to the songs and stuff. So you should check that out in your free time sometimes. That's pretty done, uh, done pretty well. But I also wrote down Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously. SLC Punk, uh, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller, uh, Purple Rain, High Fidelity. That's pretty much it. Train Spotting. I mean, yeah. I could go on, but... Yeah, there's a long list of those on there. And then I, you know... Just as a kid, before you have your own musical taste, I just remember listening to so many soundtracks, which is a lot of what was on my list. But then I also have, like, Street Fighter, the soundtrack, right, from the Street Fighter movie, which is a lot of, like, interesting early 90s hip-hop that wasn't quite gangster rap, so it was this weird combination of what you'd expect to be gangster rap, but, you know, just kind of made about the movie. So that's a really bizarre soundtrack that I like. And then, of course, you know, you get to Mortal Kombat, which is... A whole other fucking thing yep. when it comes to soundtracks, but I love those. And then, like, That Thing You Do has a great soundtrack as well, right? And a lot of that's music from within the movie that's not relying on a score because they're using musical songs in right. there, and you're doing different I, um, things. So, yeah, there's some stuff on there that I love. I tried purposely to stay away from, like, music biopics and movies like that where they have a lot of stuff like that in there that are almost musicals, because otherwise I definitely would have put Purple Rain on there and... uh God, I, I had another one in my head. I just forgot. Yeah, I mean, like, that Walk could the Line be... was done really well. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we'll have to recircle and revisit that to top five music biopics and there, or music biopic soundtracks or scores or whatever. So. Yeah, fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do something. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our top five. Let us know what your top five music movie soundtracks are and uh sound off on our social media for that alex got a badass intro on where to find us so listen to that he'll let you know hey kids alec here with the frog brothers podcast reminding you to check out our youtube where we have exclusive mail time videos featuring collectibles toys comics vhs rare dvds shirts pins and more be sure to hit subscribe Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram to see live unboxing videos and daily updates. You can find all of our podcast episodes up on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most places where podcasts are available. Keep an eye out for merchandise in the future. And remember, Second Shelf is mine. That's where I keep my root beers and double-thick Oreo cookies. Nobody touches the Second Shelf but me. Cry, little sister.
haven't seen. This film supreme made up of a dream team. This movie's pretty great. You're fucking late. Let's accelerate and get it on your plate. And you don't want us exposing ourselves. And you don't want us, us exposing ourselves. Exposing ourselves. And you don't want us exposing ourselves. <laughs> so, Alec uh, came to visit and helped me move recently, as you're probably all aware, because we've talked about it significantly, but uh, he, he exposed me to Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. So one of the badass local movie theaters, Screenland Armor, announced that they're going to play that a couple days before Alec came into town. So I was like, hey, Friday night, you want to go check this out? And... I thought he died from happiness. Yeah, it's good thing he didn't, because otherwise I would have had to see it by myself. But it was a lot more fun going with him. I've always dreamed of uh, seeing that one in a theater. So, it's... If you're a Twin Peaks fan, it's excellent. And uh, Twin Peaks is one of those things that, as a fan, you love to love it, but also you love to make fun of the things that are silly about it. So, like, watching it on a big, big screen, about half the time you're laughing... I mean, about half the time you're like, oh, this is fucking horrifying. But Yeah, the vibes of that movie are entertaining. So um, so just for full transparency, I've seen season one, most of season two, and seen some of the remake, or not the remake, but I've seen some of the continuation the sequel return. series. Yeah, it's Twin Peaks Return. I've seen some of that, so I just need to get caught up with that, but... Um. yeah this movie's not going to be very enjoyable for someone that's not familiar with at least season one of Twin Peaks I think that's really to me that's the season one's essential viewing to be able to watch this movie yeah um, it, it goes without saying and it's unarguable that season one of Twin Peaks is superior to almost the rest of any Twin Peaks but um, I still like all of season two I will still watch all of it and I, I loved season three I love the return and Firewalk with me is great. The missing pieces, all that good stuff. There's um, a whole bunch of material there. Uh, the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Then there's two dossier books that are a bunch of files on it and a bunch of alternate. Uh, it's history that people don't necessarily consider canon among the Twin Peaks world, um, but some of them do because Twin Peaks is pretty much headed up by David Lynch and Mark Frost, and. Uh, Mark Frost wrote the books. David Lynch was kind of the... From the way people understand it and stuff, he kind of ran the show a little bit more. But he didn't direct all the episodes, but he directed uh, arguably the best episodes, and I believe he directed all the new... The Return, so... That's, yeah, that's... That's good information to know. So, this movie, having seen season one, what I really liked about it was you get a lot of Laura Palmer, right? I mean, you have the flashbacks and those other things and the other characters' story development... Mm-hmm. But I like seeing her as a character in there, right? Because when you watch the regular season, I th- and we talked about this a little bit afterwards, like when you watch season one, you're like, Laura Palmer's a fucking terrible human. Mm-hmm. And just like anything in life, right? You have growth. Like if you're if you have an open mind, you can have growth and realize that maybe your opinion originally wasn't correct and what this movie does is shows you the darkness that Laura Palmer as a character went through 
to lead you to where season one of Twin Peaks was and how that shaped and played out for everyone there. And I think that's pretty significant, right? Because you have a character that you don't like, but even in Firewalk with me, like you don't necessarily love the character, but you understand the character enough to know like the darkness that surrounded the uh, the character. Yeah. And, and I think it's important there, like one of the key things here, and, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but basically you find out that uh, Laura's dad's been being possessed and he's been raping her. And Well, it um, depends on what, if you've watched the original series, if you've already found that out or not, but... Yeah. So... But, I mean, you get to that level of, like, understanding, like, where he's coming from with that, and he doesn't really understand it. So he's realizing, like, he's being possessed. Yeah. There's a lot of dark stuff in that, in there. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's kind of one of those things where, like, where culturally I think you could learn a lot and talk, talk about it. And some of this stuff was way ahead of its time. And I don't think mm-hmm. some of those aspects were really talked about or focused on as much as some of the supernatural stuff of the series right there's there's some stuff here that i think really goes to show like what how these things manifest in people right because mm-hmm. laura palmer's abused and then she goes on to do sex work and so you know unfortunately in the real world you know there's a lot of those stories right where someone's been through whether that's sexual abuse mental abuse physical abuse but those types of things manifest into bad habits or coping mechanisms. And, you know, this this movie really shows you what that does to Laura Palmer and how she gets to where she is. And the fact that, you know, they're not worried about TV ratings and getting away with certain content on there, I think really allowed them to tell a, a thorough story. Yeah. So if you've watched much of The Return, you know that The Return relied heavily on a lot of shit from specifically Firewalk With Me as well as the original series. Um, there's one thing it didn't pick up on from this series, which I wish it had. Um, well, no, I guess one and a half things, because early on, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character disappears. He you know takes the body back to what Portland to uh, check it out and shit. I wish that we would have seen him back in the uh, the return. But I also wish they would have solved what happened to uh, Chester Desmond, the agent Yeah, there's that he a few things in there that, yeah, you, you could have seen and, and you, those stories you could have told there. But yeah, I yeah, just I wish mean, they would have picked up back in the return like some of the other things. Um, yeah, because if you Philip look at... For example, Jeffries and stuff like that. So. If you just look at the cast that's in Firewalk with me, even compared to the TV show, right, you add some real heavy hitters in there, right? And they do a great job, right? You know, David Bowie's in there, correct? Yeah, and Harry Dean Stanton is uh, excellent in this, as he is in everything, but... Yeah, and so, I mean, and they're doing a great job in their roles because they're not stealing the show. They're They're adding depth and detailed characters which make a richer story, right? Because I guess nowadays it seems like anytime someone wants to bring in like a celebrity guest they want them to steal the show or steal the episode or something like that Mm -hmm. and i think this is a prime example of how to how to bring in somebody that has acting chops that's famous and well known for a reason 
but utilize them for a good role, not an over-the-top role or not the stereotype role that they've had. So, Like Kiefer Sutherland's role in there is amazing. He does such a great job because he doesn't play anything like you, you expect from him at that point in time. You're like, right. oh, okay, this feels way different than what, I have, what I'm used to at this point That's in his acting love. career. Um, yeah, it just makes me like him that much more because, you know, it, you love to hate him in other movies. You can't really like him. But in this movie, you get to finally like him, and you're like, all right, sweet. Yeah, and you're actually disappointed when his segment of the story's over. You're like, oh, okay, I was really kind of digging his vibe and his... Yeah, I would have loved to see him more in, like, just Twin Peaks, the show. I would have just fucking loved it. I loved his performance in that, as well as Chester Desmond, although the Chester Desmond part definitely felt like it was pretty much written as Dale Cooper, almost, you know? But yeah, he had he had a couple differences here and there, but I did like seeing Dale Cooper in there still. Loved that. And David Lynch as uh, Gordon Cole. So, and the interesting thing about this movie too, right, is it's it's in essence a prequel to the TV series, and then you do get some. I mean, the story most of the story takes place before, but you do get some stuff that's a little bit later on based on things like that, right? And, and yeah. so it kind of skips around. So if you're not familiar with it, you could be really confused, like what the hell is going on, but. It's also interesting because they're able to adapt the TV show and make it interesting in the fact that they're able to take those concepts and mix early stuff with later stuff so it still kind of wraps up the story there that you didn't have before. Yeah. Um, so you haven't seen the all of the original series. Have you seen where Heather Graham is in it? Uh, that doesn't ring a bell, but I may or may not have. Billy Zane? He's early in season two, is he not? He's late in season two, I believe. Season two, okay, then maybe maybe not. Um, and uh, he's kind of a love interest for Audrey Horn. Okay. No, I need to revisit that, but I think that's something we've also talked about doing for episode by episode is covering some Twin Peaks. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna do it, and people are gonna listen to it. And you're gonna like it. Exactly. Or fast forward through it and get to the other stuff you do like, so either way. Oh, yes. And if you really like it, you may rewind it and listen to it again. <laughs> um, Ray Wise, as Leland Palmer, does a great job in this movie, too. He's a very underrated actor. I wish he was in more, you know, more stuff. Off the top of my head, I know that he's in RoboCop, which also has, uh, you know, Kurtwood Smith from that 70s show, Peter Weller, all those people. Um... Somebody I would argue, would, though... Oh, yeah, Miguel Ferrer is also in RoboCop and Twin Peaks. And he was in oh, Firewalk nice. with me, specifically. You know who I'm talking about, Miguel Ferrer? Uh, what's his character's name? Um, God damn it, he's only in that one for a minute. What is his character's name? I'm drawing a blank. Although he's, like, one of my favorite fucking characters. I don't know. Uh, either way, he's anyway, another what, what FBI I was agent. Say is, you were talking Laura Palmer's dad, though, before, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that actor does such an amazing job in this movie, right? I mean, he's good in the series, but I think he's great in this movie. And I think there's a difference there. Because in the series, he's kind of drug, you know, they drag it out. There's a little bit of slower development. So you don't get all the subtlety that he's able to 
I mean, you see so much more of him in this movie, right? And I think he has yeah. such a better portrayal there, but it's also because his daughter is alive in this movie. And, you know, the character is completely different after the death of her. So yeah. I, I just think he, he's great in this. He's good in the series. So that's my take on it, though. You you should definitely rewatch the series, too, because, man, it's just one of my favorite performances in <clears throat> TV is him in, in Twin Peaks. It's perfect. He's uh, he's so good. But Now, the only thing that this movie, I find, is lacking a little bit, and it's not a bad thing because the story doesn't dictate that you need it, but a lot of the uh, sheriff's department and all those characters that you don't really interact with uh, and some of the other townspeople, they're not necessarily get, as significant to the story as they are in the series. Well, it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't be. Yeah, I know. Because it it totally before. does. Um, but, but they some do of show those the sheriff's pe- department of the other towns and stuff, and that's where they kind of like try to fill that void. And yeah, I, I just I I like how eccentric some of those characters are to me, and I think that that's some, one of the things I like the most about the actual series is like how bizarre some of those people are at times. Like right where you're like, well, exactly, you they're feel bizarre, like quirky. Those, but you feel like you know those people in real life. Like you know, you you feel like you get to know somebody and like you get to see how weird people really are sometimes. And I think that show does it. They don't try to portray people as normal and bullshit all the time. I think, you know, the series does a great job of showing you like, Hey, here's these people that are doing this job, but they're a little fucking weird. It's relatable, right? You can, Oh yeah, yeah, I I get that. So, um, to me, that little element, and that almost seems like it's comic relief on the series too. And in this movie, you didn't really need much comic relief just because the story it's telling, it's not necessarily appropriate for, you know, the conflict resolution you're going to get out of this. Yeah. So. I don't know. You I have definitely to, I feel like you have it. to get to learn, um, if you get to, <laughs> as the memers would say, no film, no Lynch, or no cinema, no Lynch. But, like, David Lynch, he has this fucking bizarre personality, and I'll give you a Two examples from the production of Twin Peaks. One's from the original series. There's an episode where uh, Dale Cooper's drawing on a chalkboard and he's like throwing rocks at some shit while he says random, random shit, random names off a list. You remember this at all? And uh, Deputy Hawk is there holding uh, the bucket of rocks, but he's holding it with oven mitts on. And uh, David Lynch has... Uh, apparently just told the actor, the actor asked, you know, why Why do I have to wear oven mitts? And he was just like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I wanted to see you in oven mitts. So it's like one of those things where you have to understand that some of the things David Lynch does are just fucking ridiculous. And for the sake yeah, of but being you, weird. And then... You feel like you know that in real life, though. Like, everyone's met somebody that's fucking weird in real life, like... Would you really be that surprised if you saw someone wearing oven mittens in life like that, just in a random scenario? Like, I've met some weird fucking people in my time. So in The Return, there's a... At one of the end of the episodes, there's about a... I don't know. I'm probably exaggerating, but five to ten minute scene of uh, a man sweeping the floor at the roadhouse. And he's just sweeping the floor while it plays music in the background like the bar's closed. And yeah. uh, I think there's a... I don't even think that's necessarily the film he was... the scene he was talking about, but there's a scene... If you, I have all the... I've watched all the Blu-ray special features for it. 
and he's sitting there, and one of his like PAs or maybe the assistant director or somebody is sitting there talking shit to him, like maybe maybe we should, you know, trim the scene a little bit, and he just like gives her this dirty look, and he says like, who gives a fuck how long a scene is? And then he goes on, and he's not as much of an asshole. He's kind of like joking, but it's still like, that's just David Lynch. But it fucking uh, that's why throughout all of the intro. I just realized how good of a time I was going to have. I was also pretty intoxicated, but hey. It was yeah. uh, it was an epic time, and I know there were only like four or five people in the theater, which felt good because it's a pandemic and everything, and they, they do a good job at that theater of the social distancing and all that. So um, Yeah, and that was in their smaller theater too, which is, you know, kind of like their newer theater with the with the other stuff the other theater i've been in there before for the double features is the larger theater so it's definitely got old school vibes so it's got both though i mean i like that theater for that reason right the new the smaller theater had the new school theater vibes the other theater had like the old school vibes in there so yeah um it felt good to go there and, and and see that and just help a good small business to just doing awesome stuff you know, it was kind of made me sad though, because I heard that they announced over the weekend that, like, since they'd reopened, that that was the slowest they'd had in anything for sales, um, for movie sales. And the other thing they had done, which they played Twister on their outdoor theater that weekend. But <laughs> I think we made the right choice by seeing Firewalk with me inside, and they uh, played it again tonight inside. So hopefully, some people went out and saw that and checked it out. Helped them out yeah. there with it. I would uh, love to frequently attend that theater in the future. I believe they will learn to know me. You think they could learn to love you? Are they playing their love games with me? Yeah, so yeah no, but I, I, love, I love Twin Peaks. Yeah, Firewalk with me. It was uh, spectacular getting to see that. Got to have some Boulevard. Uh, what do we have? What were those? Uh, I think they're like lemon cherry rattlers. So okay, yeah, that's tart. what they were. Yeah, they're pretty good. They weren't bad. They were pretty good. Um, I miss Boulevard beer. Um, I know that they, you know, you can get them in more places than just Kansas City now. We had one of their beers on tap at the uh, bar I worked at in Phoenix, and I would drink it all the time. But um, yep, I can't really find them here. At least I haven't. So it was nice to have that. Uh, and, when I uh, lived some down there. Mates. I think you could go to West Memphis, go cross over into West Memphis, Arkansas, and they distributed Boulevard beer all the way up to the border there, but I don't know if anyone's distributing it there. I think you could probably get Tank 7 at some of the larger um, liquor stores and such down there. Um, That's usually kind of what they send when no one carries their wide releases, but I know you could go to West Memphis and get... um, you know, their classic Boulevard wheat and a bunch of the other stuff. Some of their standard issue brews. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really drink enough to really concern myself with that at the moment. So. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. I mean, but if you're getting beer, get something good, get something local or whatever, try things out, but yeah. So... What do you got going on? What's coming up? Well, I've got a uh, Gibson and Barnes flight suit coming in so I can make a more accurate Ghostbusters costume. 
So I bought one recently, which I may wind up flipping for sale, just try to get what I paid for it out of it and uh, move it along. But it's not, it's not the right uniform, and it looks pretty good, and I could probably do something else with it, but at the same time, I'm like, how many flight suits do I need? So I haven't decided what I'm going to do with that other one yet, but I'll probably wind up selling it. But I got one that looks pretty damn close to the Ghostbusters 1 flight suit, even though that wasn't made by Gibson and Barnes. And back in the day, I think they're called Flight Suits Unlimited. They just changed their name, but... Yeah. uh, Looking forward to getting that in. Uh, Got some other stuff shipping and should be coming in soon. Nothing too crazy, just since I moved it was like... Aside from us hitting up 1313 Mockingbird Lane and getting some toys, I haven't really had my eye on too much. I had to buy enough stuff for the place, like buying curtains and curtain rods and all that kind of stuff. Nothing too exciting. But I will tell you, my kids were over, and they got to finally open the uh, Kenner Classics Real Ghostbusters. So that was pretty awesome to see them playing with those. And then I gave them a set of my uh, Mattel Ghostbusters figures and... Got some Top Gun Matchbox cars for them. Got some more Jurassic World Matchbox cars for them. So, yeah, we had a, they had a blast the, playing with the, They opened the Top Gun ones? Uh, I haven't un- unboxed that one yet, so I do have some more toys for them. So next time they come over, I'll let them open all that. We opened so much stuff on Saturday, it was like... They're getting a little fatigued from having so many options, so I think I've got some stuff from you and our sister. She sent them some stuff for their birthday, so they'll finally get that. And I got that box. I need to do an unboxing video, the one you uh, gave me, though. Yeah, I uh, need to as well. I still have tried to separate that into a box. Yep, but nothing too wild and crazy going on right now. Just, uh ready for Halloween season. I did see that there's a uh, Spirit of Halloween store location announced up here by me in Independence in a spot that used to be a Dick's Sporting Goods a couple of years ago, actually, a while back, and they uh, moved to the mall over there. But that old empty storefront had uh, Spirit of Halloween stuff signs up, so I'd imagine they're going to open early this year just due to social distancing and everything else. If they're actually going to be able to make any money and do anything, I think we'll probably see them open almost a month early, you know, because there's always some that'll open, like, at the very beginning of August. Some of them will be, like, as late as September, but we're kind of getting yeah, that, I'm doing that the, point uh, in time, I think. We'll see more. Yeah, I'm doing the drywall there at the uh, new uh, Spirit Halloween. Yeah, I'm doing the drywall there. <laughs> fucking A, dude. I don't fucking need you fucking a. up my life, too. <laughs> hey, check out... Channel 9, it's a breast exam. <laughs> Love that movie. Same. Well, Dogs I, I, I and guess cats. that about wraps it up this week. Yep. Yoshi's yelling at me, I don't know why. He just ate a little bit before we recorded, so. Yeah, I could hear Chloe barking earlier in the background. She's the only one I heard barking, though. Yep. All right, well, well we will talk to you kids soon. If you got any ideas for anything you want to hear about, let us know. Give us some comments. Give us some feedback. Hey, give us a five-star review. We'd like that. Um, major shout-out to Yes Have Some for mentioning us on their podcast. Uh, appreciate the shout-out there, and uh, hopefully you guys like what you hear. And uh, we will talk to you next week. 
Good night Take and have a pleasant now. tomorrow. Oh, my Tommy Wiseau stuff's supposed to be in soon too, but my address being forwarded, I don't know how soon that stuff will actually arrive, so. Oh, yeah. Well. Anywho, take care now. Bye-bye, then. Be excellent to each other. These are my dinner guests. The Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. The Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. The Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Shut this off. Shut these all off.